Ow, Blaze, you hit me. How dare Hello. you? Hey there. We're back from Christmas. We're back. But this is probably going to be... But nobody's going to know. ...sharing a long time. <laughs> uh, one thing I want to do right off the beginning is uh, let our folks out there, our listeners, know. This is also available on YouTube. Right now, it's under my YouTube channel, Blaze Weller. We'll specifically put it to the film deck side. But if you want to uh, view the video as of now, feel free to go to YouTube and... Type in... We're uh, yeah. on camera. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so this is these are also available on YouTube. Get the the visual aid happening with yes. it. All right. Um, yeah, it's actually funny. Every time I've been looking at the when I look at the YouTube videos and I look at the episodes that we've put out already, it's. I think it's. Some I mean, people might catch on to it. And see, it's not exactly. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Coherent? No, not chronicle. Chronically yeah. aligned. Yeah. We don't um, even. It doesn't matter. I'm looking at it. I'm like, I have like short hair, long hair, short hair, and then a beard. And I'm like, yeah. that's hilarious. We're not worried about continuity. No, on we don't our, care on our podcast because um, it takes time to put this shit together. So you know. Yes. Look, I'm dressed in costume. This is costume. This is my normal wear. We'll call Although it a costume. Kinda, we'll call I kinda it a costume. Like, kind of like it, but I, I did it for <laughs> Harry Dean Stanton and his tiny little wardrobe. Um, which is kind of cool. One part of the film. Yeah, uh, you want yeah, the simpler the better, man. Just jump right in, or yeah, let's let's kick this off. So yeah, we this podcast, this episode's movie is uh, Lucky, directed by John Carroll Lynch. No relations to David Lynch, though. Weird. Incorrect. What is there? <laughs> it's his brother. Oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> I didn't see. I look. I tried. I, Students, viewers, do uh, your homework. Ray certainly is not. Okay, I'm gonna be honest. I did go. I googled the movie, and I was like, okay. I clicked on the director's name, and it didn't do an immediate like. It's all good. Okay. Well, okay. So apparently they're related, but I know that brother. I know John. I have seen him somewhere before. They said his big kind of like breakthrough, if you want to call it, was on Fargo, and I'm assuming the original. Yeah. Fargo. Um, he killed it, and he I have seen him definitely in other movies before. They, some, something on there labeled him or called him like a character actor, which I think that's probably what I've, yeah, where I've seen him before. He's done plenty. Um, but yeah, directed by John Carroll Lynch, starring his actor and director brother David Lynch as one of the characters in the film. Yes, it's one of one of my favorite parts of it. Um, also, this is yeah, John Carroll Lynch's. Direct directorial debut. Debut. Yeah. Um, they but. <laughs> um, yeah. You know what? Actually, I th- this was probably the first time I had heard David Lynch actually speak, and I swear to God, I've heard him on something before. I've never. <laughs> uh, I'm Listen, still this is... astounded at your lack of film history and filmic knowledge. Um, and uh, like people are like at the, the listen to the show, like some get, of the things they they say, and I'm like, I'm like, I don't know how. I know that he's, you know, trained in theater, but I don't give a shit. They should have. You still should have gotten like the basics of film. But see, but then we wouldn't get this opinion. reaction out of you because like no, I it's know, a lot more fun to just, be like, oh, I didn't know that David. Lynch, we're going to talk gonna, about his acting. I know in this. David Lynch. His 
directorial works. Yeah. I don't know too much about, well, about his acting stuff. He stars in anyway. a lot of his stuff, but he's, yeah, he's been in. He's got a unique voice, and I'm like, I've heard that somewhere before. Yeah. So that's that was neat well, for me. We'll definitely talk about that. Do you want to just jump anyway, into Anyway, yeah. So Lucky stars Harry Dean Stanton, Kentucky boy, West Irving. Good Kentucky. job. You did yeah, do I did. Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah. I did. Fellow Kentuckian. Um, so I guess we should say it now. So he, this was, I'm pretty sure his last movie because he He did away. something else. Like, I, I don't know if they completed it, but um, apparently, he, I know he saw parts of this film, but sure. he didn't even get to see the right. finished the full product. Thing. And he didn't go to the debut well, of it. Yeah, he, he died. It was the same month. He passed away on September 15th. The movie came out the 29th, I believe. Of 2017, yeah. So it's the a same super month. cool aspect of this for which ever, it, for everyone to know. This is his final finished product, product yeah. and even he didn't get to see it, but he knew he knew because for well, several reasons, and we'll talk about some of that. Um, which which adds on to like the whole like well the what the movie deals with, and then in real life you find out oh, which would have been interesting to like be there and observe him and talk to him about. Oh my God! What they're filming about, Absolutely. but also what you know, he was at the end of his life as well. He was at that age. Yes. Was he prepared? Was he, you know, all that stuff? So. Yeah. Well, according to a bunch of stuff <clears throat> I read, he was prepared, mm. and it doesn't directly follow his life, but there's definitely um, correlation, correlation, sure. and segments that are even ripped off of him. Mm-hmm. But okay, so well. I'm going to reel it back to the actual movie itself. It deals with this aged gentleman named... They call him Lucky. We never actually get a, a real name. And he is kind of, you know, again, he's at that stage of life where he's he's an elderly gentleman, yet he... The way they phrased that on the internet was like he's outlived all of his, like contemporaries or like his friends and don't ever bring up shit that's on the i don't know you know what i mean somebody else is like we talked about that before like they're 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 so off about even the narrative etc you just give your i know you saw yeah but okay so why it's like okay so he's he's at that age he's kind of you know where he's pretty much going to like i'm not gonna say die any minute but you know he's he's that he's near death yeah and it kind of just deals with his coming to, I guess, he's coming to terms with it, acknowledging... Coming to terms with his mortality. His, and... his mortality, and it basically just follows him through his, like, everyday yeah. routines and his interactions with uh, the people that he knows and that, like, little... Again, once again, it's a small town yep. setting that we're dealing with. And that's a desert small town. Desert small town. There we go. Things about it too. It's... And uh, that's pretty much it. I mean, he doesn't die in the end, <laughs> so it's not yeah. like that kind of movie. But like, it's the journey that he goes on. And one thing we should add to that: he's questioning. He's questioning at the end. You know, he knows he's in the fourth quarter. Yeah. And he's questioning really everything. Um, and and the the moments I think are, they just nailed it. John Carroll Lynch and the the writer um, they nailed these different moments where he's you know questioning, mm-hmm. he's uh, pissed off about some things, sure. uh, and we'll we'll get in that too. Mm-hmm. So yeah, 
Well, that's that's pretty much the story. Um, and so, so before we get into it, so I'm gonna do my like the con side of it. I had like the pros and the con. I only had one con, and that will be for for viewers. Like, yeah, I'd recommend watching this for sure. The only thing I see people kind of like being, I don't want to say bored, but it's like if you're not paying attention to what the movie's trying to convey, it's like, oh, we're just following around an old man yeah, well, for like three so days. Let me so, jump in there, even though I know you're going in a direction. That's sure. Cool. The character arc <clears throat> we didn't talk about, you know, as, as part of the story. How did you see... What, what can you describe the character arc in like a sentence or two? Um, so the char- character arc is, yeah, he has one accident at home, and that's what kind of snowballs his questioning and then his accepting at the end of like what happens inevitably to all of us. Yes. Um, I would add to that. So. I'm a story guy, writer, etc. And for writers out there, definitely, if if we were to describe what this character is going through or who he is or how we establish him, he's curmudgeony. He's not. Yeah. He's not. Um, he always goes to the dark side, and there's so many uh, threads connected to that. He often yeah. goes to the dark side. He brings other people down. He levels things mm-hmm. with truth. Or what he thinks is the truth, but for the majority of it, it's it's negative. It's very negative. Very negative. And then yeah, his his arc and how we develop this character, we'll get into like how the other characters are uh, consistently and constantly trying to get him mm-hmm. to see from a different angle or a different perspective, and he keeps cutting things with his truth. Mm-hmm. Um, and many of them get up get upset with him even though it's not overdone at all it's it's i think it's beautifully woven because he has many moments within that where he's still a kind human being he gives a shit about the community and the people that he's around but even that he's kind of uh standoffish so i just wanted to put that out there because you know we described it as a guy in his everyday life in a desert town and uh it's (laughs) definitely this aspect is one of the most important parts of film yeah shoot Cool. Uh, but now that's uh, really my con would be like that pacing. It, because also, they are. Uh, I, I, I don't want to. Well, I'm going to sound like a dick, but like. Because I'm trying well, to be realistic with, with people. Yeah, we're film dicks. <laughs> with people who, again, might not be. You know, might not grasp, again, what the movie's trying to tell you. Um, so you have this like elderly actors also like talking. So like. The dialogue is not... It's not very, like, fast tempo. It's very slow. And I'm starting to think, actually, it was intended to be that way. But, again, so if, like, somebody, like, sits down and watches it, it's like, oh, it's just an old man walking around doing that. So it might not that's appeal not, to everyone, but that's, that's what I saw as a con. And that's so not a terrible description. <laughs> it's an old man it literally is an old man. walking around. I mean, around, it is an old man. And, literally walking around the town often and, you know, his perspective and his interactions... Um, but there's a ton of time where he's just walking. Just and walking. I love that stuff. And mm. I love, I think it's fresh compared to to what has been happening, what we have been seeing. And you sure. know, we're both like kind of, we've become anti, not anti-Marvel, but we're sick of the the continual, you know, 
everything is action-packed explosive but they're falling away from like good story story threads yeah yeah Yeah. well no you know what i actually i like those wide shots of him walking too because it again it takes us back to patterson and those little vignettes um and maybe I, i felt like it was like hey like look at this old man living in this old town that's like falling apart so i didn't know if it was trying to be some symbolic in that way um but definitely the cool. landscape but the landscape was and cool the to see town. that yeah, but, yeah. That, but that's definitely connected to you know it's an ancient cacti desert and he's walking around so definitely and, and we're doing a lot of things with mood and tone sure with with those shots um um yeah right off the bat though and I'm sure you probably have this in your notes too, but literally the opening scene of the dirt road and then the little turtle walking across it. At first, I thought, okay, I thought uh, the opening shot of the desert with the turtle crossing, symbolic because it's you know turtles, an old man, the the pacing it's going at, and then the whole like tortoise and the hare thing like jumped into my mind. I don't know if you thought about that too. Not really the hair, but uh, um, you know the symbolism of the turtle for the, sure. Tortoise, yeah. the tortoise, tortoise. Is, is, a turtle. <laughs> is, uh, and, Harry uh, David Lynch tells everyone, yeah. yells at everyone. He's a tortoise, not a turtle. <laughs> but um, I didn't think I didn't think the turtle was going to come back into play in the movie. I just thought it was like a little symbolic, sure, little shot of it. But yeah, it was cool it at the very last second we see the turtle. So we're. We're bookending writers, well, the symbols and um, the scene, and it can be dialogue, but in this case, it's not dialogue. We, so we're bookending without dialogue uh, the scenery and uh, the tortoise and Harry Dean. Harry, Harry Dean is wa- walking through the yeah. desert. And that, that's yeah. the, the very end of it. But uh, yeah, and then we get like a glimpse of his morning routines before he heads out to town. And the, the thing I put on there, like the little refrigerator bit, but I found that funny. It was just one glass of like milk. Yes. I think it's milk or uh, it's milk. yolk, egg no, yolks. It's milk. milk. Just yeah. with like three cartons of milk and that's it. That's all he's got in there. Right. And he's definitely following, you know, he's got habits and patterns. So he finishes the one carton of milk and then he slides the other two over. Yeah. Uh, and let's, let's talk a little bit about that. So one of the things that I wanted to bring up to uh, new filmmakers and writers, this is a beautiful film to watch mm-hmm. to understand how to establish characters. characters. It's also a great film. I suggest any new filmmaker, any filmmaker really watch this because the shots and the shot selection I think is impeccable. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not anything super fancy. Most of the shots are mid-close. Yep. They're not wide. You're right. The one where he's walking in the desert is wide. Well, when um, he's walking outside, yeah, all when those he's walking shots. around, we do wide shots. But other than that, mid. almost every yeah. single shot is mid close. Yeah. And then he does put in some close. And the reason I suggest this for new filmmakers is just shoot whatever, shoot your short. Do it the way your instinct tells you. Watch this film. Because it's it's a framework and a nice mm-hmm. like lesson plan of the little things that you can add to it. He doesn't overdo anything, and 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 often that's what a lot of people do is they like trying to like overcomplicate, and it it can screw up the story and everything else. So I I definitely think this is a, a great film um, for new filmmaker and anybody that's interested in film because 
that's unique. The uniqueness is how many mid closes there are. Um, it's that's not. Did you notice that? It's mm-hmm. not a frequently used, if you want to call it technique. And that was something that I think John Carroll Lynch should be accredited for. That you know he did he did something that was pretty unique. But at the same time, he didn't overcomplicate things or try to pull off any kind of ridiculous sure. shots. Yeah. Well, no, for the most part, it's simple shooting. Yeah. Doesn't mean that's not difficult or be- I mean it's incredibly beautiful. well that's gonna take me to my ne- next note that I have on here uh, but before I go there what you just said about establishing character it takes us back to the principle of showing the audience not necessarily constantly telling them absolutely I figured you you would pick up like we're, yeah. we're definitely and how did you like that and that's what I wasn't able to like Grass right away? Not grass, but explain before. Yeah. That's what I like being told. Not necessarily if a movie is filled with messaging and stuff like that. I want us to either have to think about it and like let it simmer and like stew in your head a little bit, or they do a really good job of visually yes. doing storytelling. Don't spoon feed us. Not be like, yeah, the exposition dialogue, from etc. Yeah. And again, this is good writing. This is what I want writers to, to watch this. This is great writing. Um, and it's great uh, filmmaking and shot selection. We do a series of, you know, cut to mm-hmm. shorts of what he does in everyday life. And did you also notice this is, uh, I was reminded of the podcast we did on um, You Were Never Really Here. Okay. And uh, The Wrestler is also a good example of this. Mm-hmm. And that's, we don't, did you notice we don't see his face? It's okay if you did we don't see his face until three minutes and 30 seconds into the film. Oh, I think we see okay, yeah, parts of yeah, his body. Yeah. And, and that's what's wonderful is we're establishing that he's an old man. Like he's he's uh, he's wiping his underarms and still we cut it at the neck. And he's wiping his underarm and you see his his body is. Well, it's an old it's man kind body. Of, yeah, it's an old man body. Yeah. He's, he's uh, not necessarily falling apart. But we see that as the story continues you do. But like you said, he's doing his exercises. Mm-hmm. We see where he lives. The camera just moves around and shows us place and also shows us what mm-hmm. his like routines are. Um, so that's how we establish the character. But we don't see his face for uh, three minutes and 30 seconds. And that was another thing that I loved that um, uh, John Carroll Lynch did was he did. It's not quite a hat shot, but it's angled up with the blue sky and a little bit of desert and Harry Dean walks in into the frame. And that was at three, three minutes, and 30 seconds. That's the first time that we see this old man in his his garb and oh, his face. Well, and it's just beautiful. Which actually brings me to the shot right before that, which is when he's getting ready to leave. Bam, 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 and then he gets again wide close shot of the front door. And he gets to it. He opens it up, and it's like a bunch of light. Yes, coming through. So it's like another thematic. It's beautiful. A uh, symbolic thing. Yeah. Um, which I yeah, that's the the next note that I had on there. So three minutes, 30 seconds before you see his face, and then it's another minute. It's a little more than another minute after that before there's any dialogue in this film whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And beautiful writing, again, It's we just hear the sounds. We hear the sounds of his routine. We hear the sounds of the desert, uh, which I totally love, and that sets the tone. Um, and that's what I want to e- express to new filmmakers. Don't uh, forget or just understand like how many ways that you can set tone. And one of the best ways, obviously you're working a camera visually, um, place, setting, yeah. take your time with it, show us. 
it's well, it's it my it's my favorite. It's kind of the newer aspect of filmmaking, or that hasn't been done a lot. That's still fresh, and it, it's just something I noticed, you know, watching this film, and, and that I loved. Well, it's like in places like that where you can afford to like go to like some little small town like this and shoot all this. Like, let it talk speak to you right you're not don't force anything just film your yep just shots don't go over the top with with anything really and it'll just do the job for Let you what you're place, trying to bang. yes show yeah. you in turn and then you know the ambient sound of the wind yeah. in the desert and that says so much about this is an aging character and you get that kind of feeling of you know he's old he's near the end mm-hmm. yeah um yeah, and then they have this really good thread of which gets you know resolved in the end, but he keeps walking past certain places, and there's one in particular. Well, it's like a tunnel. You think it's like, like this weird fancy kind of arch or something, but they don't. They only do it like facing from the arch inside facing him. Yeah, you, you don't know who see. he's talking to. So he just turns the camera and just keeps yelling like, "Well, I'm not gonna." Yeah, you are. Wait, we're not restricting our lanes. I hate that word. I don't ever use the word, but it's appropriate. It's appropriate for the character. Again, uh, writers, filmmakers, don't don't like tone down your. You know, if it's appropriate, it's appropriate. I always say, err on the side of subtlety. Don't be gratuitous. But it's perfect for him. Yeah. But Ray's right. It's one of the coolest parts of this film. We don't know what the hell he's doing or what who he's is, talking yeah, to. Exactly. And there's a couple of threads where we don't know who is who is he talking to. But he as he's walking around yeah. the town, this is a place that he goes passes I think it's threaded at least three, probably four times, as he's passing this little archway and there's something beyond it and you, you hear noise, but he turns and either gives a growling look and often he says, Cunts! And then he walks on. Um, and then you, it's, Later, as the film proceeds, we find out a little bit of what it is, but we don't even know the whole story, yeah. which is another element of this film that I thought was fresh and that I loved, and the writing. And that is, once again, we don't explain everything. And this mm-hmm. is a case where, like, we saw some films and we argued about, you know, I don't want to be everything to be spoon fed or uh, explain. I know you don't like spoon fed, but in this, in this film itself, there's a couple of things that are never explained. That not fully explained. Mm-hmm. We're just that. That's what it is, that's and that goes back to. I felt like uh, John Carroll was stealing from David Lynch in that because David Lynch does a lot of that in almost everything. Not almost everything that David Lynch has done. There's scenes that don't follow the fucking story, and I, I'm cursing. I shouldn't because you know that's how I teach: establish, you know, develop, climax, blah, blah, blah uh, resolution. <laughs> but. He breaks the rules, and it's wonderful. It's it's enjoyable for uh, mentally, uh, visually, if you can pull that off. But sure. that's definitely one aspect that, mm-hmm. uh, and I saw there's a, a couple influences of David Lynch that uh, John Carroll, you know, either maybe they had a conversation. I kind of doubt that they did, but. That he no was doubt. influenced by. Well, you, you don't know. He's like, bro, what do I, you know, do you mind if I... Well, here's one real cool thing I about this film that I found out and like looking and reading all this stuff. And I was reading a lot about the, the writer. And David Lynch kept his mouth shut for the most part, which I fucking, I love about it. Because Respect. he's basically, yeah, he's respecting his brother. 
and the writer and the whole unit. Um, but there's one moment that he he came in and we'll just talk about it later, but it's really cool okay. where he, he <laughs> opened his mouth and made a suggestion because there's a little bit of argument. So make sure that we bring that back up. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, uh, yeah, we are. I know we already talked about the small town feel and the just little vignette shots of the town and his daily, basically it's his daily routine slash route every day that he goes about. Yes. And he goes from home to uh, like, through the little town to the diner that he always goes to every morning to do his crossword puzzles, to then um, later on in the evening, the uh, the bar mm-hmm. where we meet the rest of the uh, the characters. But yeah, and occasionally to the grocery store. And the, the reason store. that I'm in what I'm saying costume <laughs> is we saw in that first three minutes his wardrobe. He only has uh, two shirts, and they're a, like a western. They're not like this, but. They're Western type shirts, um, and that that also. But that's what he's wearing the whole time: his jeans, okay. uh, Western shirt, and and his hat yeah. as he walks around. Yeah. So what like what what are the things that really stuck out to you? Are you well, um, I love well. Let's thread lines that were never fully that were just presented and never explained. The um, the red phone. Yep. That he's got, and at first I was like, is it just. It's funny because you're like, oh, he's an older gentleman. He's like, he's got the timey old phone that I don't even know what it's called. Like, you pick it up and the buttons are on the actual fucking yeah. phone. So like, oh, it's, a, it's like an old phone. But then I'm like, oh, but it's like oddly just like really like red. So yeah. it's, it was meant to like stand out. Right. So I'm like, okay, now we got a weird red phone. And he always picks it up and calls a number and he talks to someone. We never hear another voice on the end of the line. Never hear the voice. It's just him talking. And I'm like, ah, okay. And he does that a couple of times. And it, it, actually, does kind of, it actually does kind of get resolved towards the end. Not complete. I, I would say this is definitely an element that is... Well, which made me think... What, go ahead. Was it something he was dealing with psychologically? It plays into like... Because at, at first I'm like... Okay, so my thought was like... Oh, he thinks he's not that he has dementia or anything like that, but he's using it to as, as a way to. I was like, "There's no way it's a," because because it's red, you would automatically. I was like, "Oh, there's no way it's like a phone line to hell." Like he's not calling like, they're not doing that abstract where he's calling the devil or something like that. I don't think you're too far off with their intention. But he because... was calling somebody who is in the afterlife. I guess that's. Is that what you think is? I mean, it's not explained. It's, it's not up, explained. It's up to the viewer exactly. to decide, and that's one thing I fucking love. And it's also kind of David yeah. Lynchian, but it, that's great that you said it. I felt like it was a line, a direct line to God, or like you said, someone else that has passed on. You definitely get the feel of that. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's like it doesn't really matter. Like we don't have to know. And it's so cool that they don't explain well, it, and they don't say like it's a, you know a brother of his or somebody, but right. but he expresses love mm-hmm. to that. And this is a like an important thread too is um, his inability to open himself yeah. to that other perspective of like kindness and love. And all throughout this film, uh, in the writing, other characters are trying to get him to kind of open up and, and also try to include mm-hmm. him, and he his 
dry, um, cutting truth that it is a truth. And yeah. he even they even have that in the dialogue where we're talking about the truth. But it's not the only truth, you know. Yeah, it's, it's truth. Uh, and that, that's happening but it is it is such a cool part of this film well, and I think the viewers will, will love it yeah no, I, I, it was definitely something that really stood out to me um, the thing the reason I think it got resolved you keep talking I, towards I'm going to do another stupid thing I've did this before but oh my god fucking furnace I'm picking up in here and I just gotta keep going alright alright well the reason I think it got resolved is that towards the end of the movie and this is after he's kind of gone through a towards the end of his arc he's already gone through the changes as a character he calls that number again but he keeps getting a dead like a busy signal or like a dead signal no it doesn't it just keeps ringing or it just keeps ringing which then I'm like, oh, hang on a minute. Then I went back. I'm like, okay, so that's how they resolved it. Apparently, whoever he was talking to, no longer there. Or that could have always been the case, but we never got the sound of it always ringing. You know what I mean? Yeah, but... Maybe I, I'm going too, like, out there with it. No, it's all right, because you picked up on elements. I, I think it is that, and it's not meant to be explained. Just like in life, there's things that are you can't explain yeah. everything. Um, yeah. But it's also... He doesn't need to because he does evolve. This is the character arc. After he starts opening himself up and questioning his own perspective, he doesn't need the phone. He doesn't Mm -hmm. need to reach out. Um, But the the phone, at times you think it's a brother or like a great friend. And he even says, Mm -hmm. you know, my dear friend, or I just wanted to share this with you. Uh, And the stuff that he shares uh, also... He's asking him questions about the crossword puzzle, about mm-hmm. words. And those are obviously really important. The, you yeah. know, realism. I felt, I got portend, it. Portend. But I was like a little longer. like, I was watching this and I'm like, oh, it's a little. But but it's only that if you're like. But if you pay attention to it. Like, or if you watch it again, you know what I mean? Sure. Or you go back and forth. Sure. Because if not, just think about the, the uh, experience of watching mm-hmm. this film from beginning to end. Yeah. You're not gonna like. You might stop it, but you're you don't catch right away yeah. that it's pretty much on the nose of what, of what we're talking about. Yeah. Well, the other the other thing actually, when I, since we're talking about the color red, um, <clears throat> it's gonna jump again for a little bit further on in the film. Yeah, and you said the red phone. You're the absolutely phone. right. Another thread is red. Red the color red. Because then, further down, there is a confrontation that happens in Evie Ellie's Evie's. Yeah, the bar. The bar that he goes to. And then we'll, we'll, we can hop back to like what actually happens inside here in just a second. But he goes outside for a reason. And then I think Polly, yeah, his buddy comes out to like calm him, down. calm him down, smooth things over. And then he like gets drawn to like this really like heavy rock music coming out of like a, yeah. a bar, just like a couple bars down right. the street. Bef- are you going to explain the whole scene? Or like you going in that direction? I'm just gonna. This one, I'm gonna interject. Not what happens in the bar, unless you want to go back. To no, it. the other part is the the red. Yeah. There's also in the beginning, on his coffee pot. There's this. Then they he does do a, a insert shot of this. That's one of the few times that there's an insert shot. But it's the blinking twelve. It's like twelve o'clock of a red light that's blinking, and that's that is as it, as it as the film continues. You know that that. 
it's kind of like a comment on time is running out. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't know if you caught that, but that's okay, that's so what that's... I felt it was for. But the red of that, the red mm-hmm. of, of the, the poly. Um, the bar. Yeah. Well, okay, so now I'll come back to this 12 o'clock thing on the, on the coffee maker. But yeah, he sees his friend Polly like head in that direction. It's, it's almost as if he was like drawn to it. And, um, Paul, is. it's a really interesting, very interesting because then he, call, he, he, he heads in that direction and like heads in, but like he heads in that direction while looking at lucky this entire time. And then luck, and then they pan the camera and like lucky follows him down to the same bar through that, like these red, like, kind of like open, like little patio area. And they do like a side shot of him walking past all this like graffiti and stuff. And he goes through this door that's got the word exit yeah. on top of it. <laughs> Which is, and, uh, that's on the mark for sure. Yeah. Exit. So you're exiting this life and it's all red and it's definitely hell. Yeah. Um, or it's the, the wrong way. Mm-hmm. You're going the, the wrong direction. But, but they cut away though. You know, that's it. He enters, he like, and then it shows that he, he's clearly looking down the stairs towards the bar. Then they cut, and then you go to the next scene, <clears throat> which is actually him waking up, almost as if this was like a nightmare. Yeah, it's, it's kind of reminiscent of uh, uh, Christmas Carol, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Um, but that that's such a cool shot. Again, this is like a, an unexplained... We, we get it, and we get the symbolism yeah. of it, but it's beautiful. This is David Lynch all the freaking way. Yeah, it's like very Twin Peak-ish. Um, and he's walking up, following the buddy, and the buddy has that real... It's the only time that Polly has an ominous look on his face. Yeah. He's always kind. He's always sweet in the bar, and he's always trying to get uh, lucky to see the other side. And he's always... A, understanding of lucky but lucky was a total asshole in the bar yeah and was coming out because he wanted to fight maybe we'll talk about that scene but yeah. then they go move to this you know we'll say the hell but he moves up past and everything is sh- uh, a red filter and in and you know you it he's up there and the friend already went in and he looks down and this camera kind of angled up a little yeah. bit but he's looking down so that's clearly like the symbolism of yeah it. and um but, but at first I thought it was folks out there if you like David Lynch you gotta watch this <laughs> film just to see these little things that are uh... if you like David Lynch you like his brother John Carroll Lynch <laughs> well it's definitely different but it's cool it's, it's cool to watch a film that somebody else is doing that is fucking related and grew up with this well of course he would be influenced by his older yeah, brother but it's incredible that, um, it's it's a fun part of the film yeah. is to watch those influences but God just one one more thing going back to this scene that we're talking about. It's interesting because I thought it was we kind of went into more like abstract theme of what it was trying to portray. And at the same time I'm like, okay, so prior to that we had one of those moments where Polly was talking to Lucky and talent kind of trying to bring light into him, uh, kind of like optimism and stuff like, and telling him where he was coming from, what he kind of went through before he found Elaine. Yeah. Um, and he was like uh, calling, they said he was like a hustler and like stuff like that. And he was uh, a bum on guts. He was nothing. Yeah. And I thought, it was like, oh, I'm like, for a second, I'm like, oh, are they implying that he's had like, you know, dealings with like, 
Bad stuff Bats, could people, be. It doesn't really like matter. That, but, it's an, again, another thing that's not like explained. But yeah, it's not. It's never. They never go back to it again. It's just a one-time scene, and that that's it. But you're right. And this whole thing, the major theme, and I hate using that word theme, but the the major, what is portended, is this play of light and darkness. It's like it's the yin and yang that's going back and forth, and he is. Lucky is the darkness. He often brings other people that are positive or trying to uh, share something with him, and he, he cuts them off. Um, he doesn't like small talk, um, and so he's he's lean, he keeps going to like the dark side. And there's there's this other light, but they do it in so many different ways with symbolism and the music. The music in this is flipping outstanding. Did you did you like the well, I, ca- I definitely caught the Johnny Cash <laughs> song. I was yeah, like, yeah. "Oh, I get it, I yeah. get it." And yeah. that's, I think Bonnie Prince Bonnie was was is the person that wrote it. But I love that they had Johnny Cash uh, singing. Mm-hmm. I see a darkness. That is, it's such a great song. Um, I'm like, they were like one way away from just doing Hurt or uh, yeah. <laughs> well, they're kind, they're kind of similar, but so I'm like, but yeah, in yeah. that song, the lyrics are, you know, the moments in life. There's joy and there's these things, but I see a darkness. It the darkness comes in and overtakes these sure. other things, and that is yeah. what this film is about. That's what we're we're trying to get this character to learn and mm-hmm. what this character is learning. Um, and you know that I love that. That was one of my favorite shots in the film. Is when after that he goes and he lies down on the bed and he pulls the covers up. And it's it's one of the few, um, like a bird's eye view. Call bird's eye view or God shot, but the camera's panning uh, back. It's pulling away and opening up the scene, and he's all alone. And we hear Johnny Cash singing, "You know, I see darkness," and it's uh, it's beautiful. Uh, Did that scene affect you? Did you like hurt your gut when you saw you felt for him? Like God, this guy's yes. But not as much as the scene prior. And this is going to be now I'm going to talk in terms of acting-wise. The shot, his, if not one of the very few close-up shots, is when he's talking on the phone about the mockingbird that he had shot when he was uh, younger. And, yeah, I was just like, damn. It's just one of those, like, again, not overacted, not, he's just, and if any, he pretty much had the same facial expression, so it was all in the dialogue that he, he was doing, and just kind of feeling the regret, yeah, and like the remorse of it all. It was it was, it was great. It was great that and, and like they and I love that. I love that. It was the whole like um, they it's a it's a close up shot, but they very like very slowly like like they close in even like a little bit more. As he's going through the uh, the monologue, and um, yeah, that one was like really impactful. And, and so we should just a we should tell everybody that he's talking about a mockingbird, yeah. and what the, I mean, it's it's really significant, and it's on the phone. It's one of those things right. where he's sharing with his mm-hmm. friend or God <laughs> uh, or somebody. Yeah. I had this 
and he's suffering. Like this guy is hurting. He's definitely hurting, and he definitely feels the dark, and he's definitely feeling his mortality. And and that's what this film is. You know, it's it's about. And he expresses that when he was a kid, he saw he had this old beat up BB gun, uh, BB gun and he, the mockingbird was there, and he said, "I aimed it and I shot him." And he killed the mockingbird, and he said that the overwhelming silence that I had caused, mm-hmm. and that is so beautiful because throughout this film, the ambient sound and the music that they have chosen is just perfect to me, and that comes back into play later on in the film when he buys uh, the crickets. He goes to a pet shop and he buys the cricket, and I was totally brought back to that moment. Where he expresses and Harry Deaton, um, Stanton's ability to act is just fucking crap. We'll talk about the acting, but that moment when he's like, she's on a telephone and we do a little pull in, um, but it's it's mostly mid close, and he's expressing you know that he caused that silence and he said I just thought of that today and it hurt him so yeah. much and the expression that's in his face only that cat. Only Harry Dean Stanton could pull that off. Yeah. It, it, was, it is wonderful. It's one of my favorite. Yeah. Same. Yeah. same. Um, well, another one I had was actually a, a completely different tone um, that started out funny, but then it ended up that plays into the scene with the red lit barb is what happens in, in, in Elaine's barb. And it's his interaction with uh, Howard played by David Lynch, and the attorney, played by Ron Livingston, which I was like, damn, Ron, I haven't seen you in like a hot second. I was like, it's good to, good to see him in this. And um, basically, he comes upon Howard. Well, we okay, so we find out in a, in a prior scene, Howard has lost his <laughs> turtle. Tortoise. Tortoise, the president, Roosevelt. And there's a funny little bit they're talking about uh, we're looking for the president. The president's gone missing. They're like, what? Right. <laughs> He's like, no, my tortoise, President Roosevelt. And um, we we, we kind of see a similarity between Lucky and Howard, with the exception that Howard, like, Lucky has the phone. The tortoise is that uh, Howard. And so he, we find out that he's accidentally, you know, the turtle escaped. And um, cut to this scene in the bar that we come in. He comes upon Howard and an attorney. And he's like, what are you doing? He's like, well, you know, I'm preparing for, you know, when I, when I die, I want everything to go to President Roosevelt. So it, was, it starts off in a humorous manner. Of like, you, you, you like, and you can tell Lucky's like, what? He's like, didn't your tortoise go missing? Like, but you want to give him everything? So... And he jumps into action because he's like, I'm not going to let this fucking two-bit lawyer <laughs> take advantage yeah. of my friend. Um, and you're right. like the, the change in tone, the change from humor to a serious, and mm-hmm. then it goes from serious to like angry, and then everybody in the bar wants to kick his ass. This is also that Howard, David Lynch, and Lucky, their friendship... That's another thing where we make him human. We're not going over the top because he ha- he definitely sticks up and, and takes care of Howard. He's the one that says, "Hey, man, like this this is important to him. This is his uh, like his best friend is his tortoise." Mm-hmm. And 
that shows another side. It's de- it definitely develops Lucky that character because so often we see him. He's like standoffish or he's he's uh, mean or short with people, um, and then this quickly goes, you know, south quick. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no, I just no, wanted no. to say that. I just yeah. I just found it very humorous and like the way it starts off and then it leads into like a more serious tone and and then David Lynch has a great monologue about like what President Roosevelt basically represents. Yeah, um, into him and and what it, give, what it, give us to him. some of that. What did he say? And you know he talks about like he was like you know the whole I can't remember what it's very symbolic. It's Roosevelt has lived longer than two of his so wives. Yeah. Roosevelt has lived long when that tree outside of your house, Lucky, he's like, it was a twig mm-hmm. when uh, Roosevelt and I first, like, whatever, and the trees, you know, it's it's taller than the house and yeah. in a desert, which is, is kind of cool too. So he totally expresses. And you, we go from this is humorous to like, Oh God, I get that. Like that, it's like just yeah. you immediately hurt but, and feel for this character, and it's. But, but he has he has that great couple of lines about like he like what he basically he humanizes the tortoise, and it's like he's had to like live his life basically carrying his own coffin on his back, and he's like, yeah, it serves as protection, but it's also his coffin, and so. Great writing. It's just yeah, it's it's it, very symbolic of, of, of everything it was just a great overall great like dialogue, dialogue monologue yeah um, and let's so he's talking to the the lawyer and this is when uh, Lucky gets pissed off and it yeah. goes from uh, even that part's like humorous but then it goes really south quick and the whole bar gets pissed and he wants to fight yeah. the lawyer like he but it's serious it's not it doesn't yeah. no, it, no, after no, that no. it stops being funny and you're like it's a stark moment and again we're developing the character because He's taken out all his shit like on everybody else. But this is another element that we didn't see. We didn't see him get to this level where he's like outside. We're going outside. I'm going to kick your ass. And he's an old guy that in the, in the, the you start to feel for the lawyer at first. Mm-hmm. It's, it's playing with our emotions. Again, good writing because you think, oh, God, he's taking this guy because, uh, you know, uh, Howard's going to give all his money to make sure that the tortoise is good. And this guy's like willing to talk to me about it and like, you know, come up with some kind of a solution. And then it goes to, he's trying, the lawyer really is trying to help him. And so that we see, we develop that character as well. And again, it's one of those things where by developing another character, you're developing the other character. In this case, it's the protagonist, Lucky, because his anger is, it's out of control. It's uncalled for. It's not, uh, it's inappropriate. Mm-hmm. And then he like, he wants to go outside and everybody in the bar is like, come on, like just settle down. And, and they try to stop him and, and he goes out and that's when he and Polly had yeah, that, like, yeah. that conversation. And you were going to say, um, I was going to point out that again, it's a very short relationship, but we later come back. Well, we have to, at that point he had actually just kind of started. He's had his accident that he experiences, which kind of starts him questioning everything. So they very they very well established that he's in that kind of like state of mind. And that's what he gets. And he was drinking a little more than he usually does. So you can tell he's just kind of thrown off from everything. 
But they do have a really nice scene afterwards with the attorney. They meet in the uh, the diner later yeah. on after everything kind of settles down and have a great moment of kind of like where the attorney shares kind of a near death experience. Can I do a cut, cut and let me let me ask you this? Do you want to? I want to talk about the acting, yeah. And I definitely want to get your perspective, and I want to spend some time talking about the acting. Okay. But I also want to talk about these other stories. Why don't we fill in the blanks with some of the stories and then talk about the acting, or do you want to jump into talking about the acting? Doesn't matter to me. Um, I don't know. Let's do uh, the stories. Let's do the stories. Okay. Yeah. Well, before so let's establish a little bit more. He's going around the town. Um, people are trying to help him out. In the diner, everybody's kind. It's a place where the collective go. And he goes to the diner, and uh, he goes in there one day, and there's a, a homosexual couple, and a, they're all younger. They're sitting where he usually sits, and he gets disgusted, and he goes and he, and he sits somewhere else. And he's making comments about that, and he's shaking his head because these two guys kiss. And he's oh, I thought, he, I thought that dude was bisexual because he was, I think, like right. making out with the girl's neck when he comes oh, I in. See, I, I miss that. And then he sits down at the booth, and then that's where he turns around and then kisses the dude. And I'm like, <laughs> regardless, but he doesn't, he doesn't well, like it. And then somebody tries to to reach out. That's not when the lawyer comes in. I don't think. No. But someone tries to reach out to him there. That's Joe. Joe sits down with him, and he he again levels things with the truth. And now he's already upset with. He goes to the doctor because one of the things that you you started to talk about, he falls down. He's at his house. There's no reason for it. He doesn't get vertigo. He just falls, falls down. And he says, oh, shit. And he wakes up and he goes to the doctor. Um, and there's that scene between he and the doctor. And the doctor's just trying to give him some uh, brevity and some kind of like a perspective. And the doctor, he's pretty cordial to him. But in the end, he's also a jerk to the doctor. Um, and then he leaves and his spot's taken in the diner. And then we see him uh, pissed off. And it's that scene where the it's the first time where the harmonica goes from this kind of, you know, not sad, but a, a kind of the darkness and light is mixed that, that that harmonica is. And this is where the harmonica picks up and goes, just goes, picks up the tempo. And yeah. he's kicking yeah. the he's kicking the can and the, the camera work there too is wonderful. It's like a wide and then a mid close where he's like kicking in his in his face, comes in and gets a little closer to the face. But we see all these different emotions that are happening within Lucky, which I think is part of the entertainment mm-hmm. aspect and like keeps us because this character is being developed, you know, from from the beginning to the end, it's con- it's constantly not constantly, but it's we're going through the different emotions that he's feeling. You know, it's kind of the emotions of what you know, loss or death. Um, and I, I just wanted to establish that. And then, do you want to talk about when he kind of makes up with the lawyer, or should we like fill in the rest of the blanks of the of the scenes that we love before we get to that point? Uh, no, we can we can jump because I don't. Yeah, I think we yeah. might have covered pretty much all of them be- leading up to that point because it isn't too long after that. Um, no, not really. So let me inter- interject then because one really important scene is when the the wife or the girl friend of Joe the diner comes to his house to check on him, 
and he doesn't like it. He's like, this girl comes in and she, she's worried about it because she hears about the fall. So she comes in there to ch check on him. That was, I, I loved that scene as well. It was a sort of, it reminded me of Cathedral, a short story by Raymond Carver. And I think I mentioned that before. But they end up smoking weed together. And that's kind of a breaking, breaking the bread, you know. She's extending this weed to him. And they have this great moment. Like he opens himself. This is where mm -hmm. the character finally yeah. stops being a dick. And he's a dick to her before he opens up. But he, he lets her in because she also pushes. She's not going to like... She wanted to check on him, and she's commenting on the pictures of his life, and that's the scene where we're going through these things. And then they, she's like, he's like, do you want to watch, you know, a game show game with me? Yeah. And then they, she shares the joint, and they, and they get high. And what did you did you feel something in that scene? Did you feel like, where's this gonna go? Or yeah, I did. Did you did too? <laughs> so I felt like a sexual tension. Yeah, and which was really cool because again. This is something the character thought was completely gone and isn't going to happen. And his curmudgeon self, he's locked himself into this perspective of what he calls the truth. And she's opening him up. And she's starting to like, she looks at him like, this guy is a, you know, he is a handsome man. He is a, he's a cool dude. And she's teaching him about Liberace. And he, had, he opens himself up there. He admits that he was an ass. And again, this goes back to Cathedral all the way because, um, you know, it's a, a selfish, jealous asshole that's making fun of a blind man. And then as he starts to open himself up, he puts himself in the shoes of a blind man. And this, a similar thing yeah. has taken place. He's, he's uh, put himself in, oh, she doesn't know who this is. And he admits, you know, he used to call him a fruit. I thought he was some kind of weird fruit. And he's like, I was such an asshole. And he admits that he was an asshole because Liberace can play the piano. And that's what they're having this moment together where they're watching him play the piano. And mm -hmm. it's, it's really cool. And there is that. I was glad that you felt it too. There's that like sexual tension. And then she gets up. Um, she's like, well, I got to get back to the diner. And she hugs him. And at first he's just sitting there like this. And she hugs him and she doesn't yeah. let go. And then he hugs her. And you hear this incredible sigh like let out and she feels awkward too because she is feeling a little you know attracted and she's like well i, I gotta go and she and she said are, are you i don't know if she says are you gonna be all right but he admits this is what this no, is no, a yeah. huge scene because yeah. he's opening himself up he's admitting his faults and then he says he says i'm scared and i'm she, scared and she says i know yep yeah but she fucking leaves. She doesn't stay to like she she's still she's scared of like kind of what she felt and she's like and she takes off. And so he's left with expressing that emotion. And then we go to the diner with the this is where because he was able to do that, you know, open himself up, now he can like He's been an ass to this lawyer every single time he sees him and, you know, wanted to fight him. And then we have this beautiful scene in the diner where the lawyer comes in and mm -hmm. go. Oh. Yeah. Um, he shares his own. Well, it starts off by saying, you know, he asks him how he's feeling or doing. And Lucky says fragile or something like that. And then he tells him he, he, he fell. And then the lawyer... Uh, I think actually his name is Rob. I think, I think it, it might is be it. Rob. Um, 
he shares his own near-death experience that he had and kind of how it put a perspective in, in his life and then why he does like, like his profession after like so many years of doing this and what value he sees in it and it talks about how his family you know will be set the day I'm I'm gone you know the, the day my body is like buried or like taken away they're gonna be okay and there's this great line again though where Lucky kind of interjects again not in an asshole kind of way yeah but but level, in a more pers- leveling, le- the, leveling truth, the, yeah. the truth and he's like You'd be dead. Well, like it doesn't change anything <laughs> you, for you. you he's like, know. yeah. And he's like, how do you mean? He's like, you're still dead. <laughs> right. So, yeah. But, uh, but this is another moment where another character is reaching out to him. Right. So that's what this film is about. It's it's this small town and all of these people caring for one another, and he can't he can't take the care because he's hurting. Mm-hmm. He's afraid of his mortality and these things that are happening. So they keep reaching out and they keep trying. Yeah. And this is the I don't want to say slow burn, that's incorrect, but uh, the gradual development of him is he starts, like, I don't even want to say opening up. He definitely opened it up to the, to the girl in the diner, but um, he's starting to open up a little bit here. Uh, but he's listening. He's no longer just like, you know, a curmudgeon that's like, yeah. you know, yeah. you, what do you got that? You, you don't know what you're talking about mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, I kind of want to, yeah, go ahead. Well, no, I was, I was going to say that that's pretty much all builds up and cultivates to this great scene where he goes to um, the grocery store at a lady's son's birthday. Yeah. And it's a great scene where... Let's do this. We're going to... This is going to be, well, I think, one of our first, I think. Let's... I'm going to go get a beer, and maybe we'll cut this into two episodes, but regardless, I'm going to talk about the acting... Um, and like finish maybe the second half of the story in the second part of this episode or, or the next part. 